Welcome to today's Hacker Public Radio. I will be I will be your host, Deep Geek. Today's topic is customization, the lost reason for switching to Linux from Windows. Now we've all heard the mantra, I'm sure, that Linux is the free alternative to Windows that is faster and more secure. And as hackers and geeks, we all know about the faster part. Um, and the more secure part has been generally conceded by the public and yet Windows dominates so this must not be the driving factor in what makes people choose their operating system so you know I mean it wasn't for me either I used Windows 95 and then Windows 2000 for the longest time having known about Linux and heard about it and being curious about it but never having gone through with it going through with changing to it until I encountered software registration I was actually doing my annual reinstall of Windows to make it go faster at the time and could not get free access to the Norton database and had to go out and buy a copy and register it in short form because as we all know Windows just needs antivirus um, and that the fact that some web page out there could just turn my com a part of my computer off left such a sour taste in my mouth that I went ahead and became a, a Linux person <clears throat> so you know when we talk about advocacy of Linux first of all no one says you have to try to, to to advocate Linux. You can just, if you want, it's very cool to just be a Linux person and not try to advocate Linux to your friends and co-workers, etc. And Windows 2000 is a solid operating system, although because of software activation I never followed through with any of the post-Windows 2000 Microsoft operating systems. But for those of us who are asked why or want to advocate it, um, I think we should work out more than just having, you know, what what, what sounds like a party line after a while. Um, so I'd like to talk to you about customization as a reason to switch. I mean, like I said, I switch was a software registration. Um, but what keeps me in Linux? is customization. Now it used to be that um, the Linux did not have uh, a GUI and then after that it used the Unix style X-Window system GUIs uh, which were not quite the same. You know they were a little bit more scientifically oriented um, than the home user GUI that Windows users have grown to love. But now modern day and age, and, and this is recorded in 2008, you know, with the advent of, of desktop environments like KDE and GNOME, uh, it's very Windows-like, you know. It's, there's something that functions as a start bar on a menu, uh, brings up a menuing system and you choose your application. And for people who uh, either have a tech support guy or or have a, a big geek in the family who sets up their computer for them 
uh, what would be the difference, you know, if they're using a desktop environment? But um, the, th the, the, the thing I advocate, the reason I, I come back to customization is because uh, Windows, it's, it's something, GUI customization, Windows has themeability. In other words, you know, background colors, wallpapers, font selection, you know, Windows and Linux has them both. But Linux customization goes much, much deeper. And I want to tell you guys a story, you guys listening, a story uh, about a, uh, a friend I have who uh, used to be more deeply into computers than he is now. And back in uh, me and my buddies, uh, Windows 95 days, we were a big fan of what they called the Power Tools suite in those days, which was, was a series of small programs that allowed you to customize different aspects of Windows 95. And when he went, um, as time went on, he went to XP, uh, Windows 2000 XP, and I went Windows 2000 Linux, uh, I was looking to buy him a gift, a Christmas present, and I said, gee, we both like that that power tools. So I went to the uh, to my ultimate source for computer software, Barnes & Noble, um, and I found a book, and I, I, it was something, it was called something different. They weren't, the, the term power tools was no longer in vogue, but I found something that had a disk with a, with a similar amount of programs. Years later, my friend said to me, you know, I still use that book you gave me, not for the software disk, but uh, in the back is an appendix that lists all the Windows services and what they do, and I can go into XP and disable the services that I don't use and make my computer go faster and further than it would otherwise. And, you know, I was impressed with the statement. You know, this is um, um, Windows strength, I believe, and I'm talking, um, you know, personally here, is its standardization. In other words, um, people who are institutionalized in, in employment or education, you know, uh, by compelling uh, the, the members of the institution to use Windows, they get forced onto the same software suite and to the same issues as the computer management group within that institution want them to be on. This is Windows' true strength. You know, the most compelling reason not to switch is because everybody at work or everybody at school has to use it. Okay, but you know, I'd like to, uh, my answer to that is to remind people that the name of the device is no longer the mainframe. The mainframe era is behind us. We call them now personal computers. Personal computers. Not the boss's computer. Not uh, Bill Gates' system. The idea is to have a computer for you you as a person set up the way you wanted to and if you are compelled to use Windows um, you can only go so far like I said wallpapers fonts you know but but still you open up your your new uh, out-of-the-box computer and it's set up a certain way certain 
services or daemons as we call them in Linux start and um, you know they're all the same they are not personalized in any way they are not personalized in any way um, and then people some usually just change their wallpaper well Linux is different Linux is different um, if you don't want to use the standard GUI you can just change your GUI and they're you know the big two are KDE and GNOME and for those who don't know Linux these offer a Windows like experiences um, you can put um, folders and bookmarks on your desktop as well as background wallpapers but you can get away from that and those those facilities actually run you know use resources uh, if you're a speed hacker like me like anything ain't circumventing any limit in speed you know you want to get my attention talk to me about that I'm into it whereas a lot of people talk about hacker they think about people who are looking to circumvent the limits in security I'm a guy who wants to push the computer to the edge and so I don't want folders on my on my desktop on my desktop to tell you the truth I don't want a desktop because it's constantly being used sometimes I want to turn off the graphical user interface and just use the command line you know it's a personal thing for me um, in Linux you can you can you have your window manager which is what's responsible for you know allowing you to shift between different applications that are sharing your desktop then you can have a desktop environment which integrates everything and provides you things like um, you know files virtual files trash cans file shredders on your desktop drag and drop stuff um, and you can customize you can customize by not having a regular GUI I for instance prefer to use as my window manager IceWM uh, IceWM is a, is a lightweight window manager it puts a taskbar on your screen it does not support folders on the desktop uh, does support wallpaper does support uh, click the start button and, and hit the menu and I can elect to use IceWM Lite which doesn't have the taskbar and I find this to be a fantastic thing for me personally not only because it's faster which I like but because when I purchased my first laptop I discovered that I hate mouse pads I despise the mouse pad it is trying to make a square peg fit into a round hole um, and sometimes I don't feel like carrying around a spare wireless mouse and IceWM also has nearly every function of the window manager is mapped to a control key so I can open and close windows by like pushing alt F10 or something you know if I want to uh, so that's great for me um, some other examples you know for people with really much older computers that they want to keep alive and we all know that Linux is great for keeping alive an older piece of software uh, there's fast lightweight window manager F LWM and this thing is sparse you 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 log in uh, you type in your password and click login and boom it's on you know that's because there's nothing 
nothing running in the background. And with these kinds of window managers, you usually typically take your mouse and push, you know, the uh, the uh, right-click button, and your menu pops up that way. Um, but you know, there's there's things that go further than that. Um, there is, for instance, a very obscure but used by a, a small clique of people, uh, window manager, called Rat Poison. And yeah, it sounds bad, you know, it's like the old skull and crossbones, you know, image, you know, uh, Rat Poison. But Rat Poison is specifically a window manager for people who hate using the mouse device. You know, and their usage of the word rat and rat poison is actually a derogatory reference to the mouse. So I have not used this one personally, but, you know, I think it speaks volumes to the mentality of the Linux community um, that they have a window manager just for people who hate their mice. You know, that speaks an incredible level of uh, a care, you know, for small groups within the Linux community. Um, now, for those of you who don't want the full windowing experience, but do like, you know, a fast and lightweight solution, but want more than a bare-bones thing, a very popular alternative is Fluxbox, which is very popular, especially in the hacker c community. Um, there have been a, a huge variety of themes written for Fluxbox. There have been goth themes, hacker themes, you know, all kinds of things like that. You know, it allows um, very interesting usages of fonts, um, fading, uh, uh, gra graduations and colors and, and menus, uh, stuff like that. Um, but Fluxbox is based on Blackbox. Uh, which was a lightweight alternative, I believe, to Window Maker. And Window Maker is interesting because it allows it allowed what's called applet boxes, which means you could actually say you want um, a clock, uh, something monitoring your disk usage, and something monitoring your your internet uh, bandwidth usage. You can actually pull up and run in the background these little applets which show up as boxes in the bottom of the screen in, in Fluxbox or wherever you like on the screen in Open in uh, Window Maker. And they will be running constantly in the background. Um, I believe, but I'm not 100% sure, that this was the predecessor to what Windows people sometimes call um, active, uh, active desktop. Um, one of my favorite applets, I've used this myself, one of my favorite applets is called um, is uh, a uh, fish monitor. It's a ducky fish monitor, I believe it was called. And this thing had a icon it would run constantly that had a water level, uh, bubbles in the water, and a duck floating on it. And the more memory you used, the higher the water level went up. If you used all your memory, the water went up to the top and the duck flipped upside down. And if you used a lot of CPU time, the water would boil to different amounts of, of rapidity as you use more and more CPU resources. I got such a kick out of that thing. Fluxbox is really, is really a cool, cool thing for your artistic mo moods. And on your login screen in, in, uh, 
in Linux, and it's normally called the uh, desktop manager, like KDM, um, GDM, or typical defaults. There's usually a, a uh, options button for your graphical login that you open up and it's a session type. And if you install several of these in your Linux system, you can go in there and as you log in, you know, you type in your username and password, or click it, click your username if you like, and you can choose what kind of window manager you'll use for that session and log in and you're right in it. It's a beautiful system that customizes itself extremely to your individual tastes. Now the other thing I mentioned earlier about customization is background processes. And um, you know, I'm not a GNOME or KDE guy. These are the big heavy uh, Windows-like desktop environments. And like Windows, they take a long time to boot when you have them fully installed. Um, so in Linux, if you use, you know, I'm, I'm a Debian-centric. So in Linux, is perfectly okay for you to never install uh, a daemon process that you don't want. Now, for instance, um, there's a new background thing called Avahi Client. And it's supposed to be some alternative to uh, setting up a stack network at home. Um, I normally use only one box on my home network. I don't need this. I kind of resent, you know, if I have to install an application and it automatically loads this. Um, so on my laptop, I'm develop. I'm trying different things of software and I am learning what things install a lot of background processes and choosing light, more lightweight alternatives to those things. So, you know, I've chosen, for instance, not to load KDE at all. Not to load, KDE includes a web browser called Conqueror, which is also a file manager, which causes a lot of this heavy stuff in the background to load. So I'm learning to use Lynx 2 on my laptop. So I don't have to install that heavy, heavy thing on my thing. Now, this has side effects. You know, because of this, I don't have the, a file manager I'm used to. So I'm learning to use uh, what's more like a, a midnight commander kind of file manager. You know, and it works for me. Now, I'm not saying because, you know, you hear this kind of podcast or this kind of internet radio program that you um, have to be like me and enjoy customization for this level. But I want to submit it out there to you and listeners as an alternative reason uh, to switch from Windows to Linux. Because I think the more reasons we find that Windows doesn't have the more persuasive those of us who advocate Linux can be. And um, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the beginning of the end of this episode of Hacker Public Radio. Um, one thing and format that I, Deep Geek, your host for today, want to have for my contributions is I want to have, I want to close out with a uh, geek tidbit, I'm going to call it. And you know, it's just going to be a food for further thought kind of thing. Uh, uh, a geek you should you should look into to learn about historically. Uh, perhaps uh, a geek haiku. Yes, 
there are people who write poetry about the geek experience out there. Um, and it's open-ended. I can extend this in the future if I like. So, today's geek tidbit from the Deep Geek is uh, a historical geek you guys really ought to know about. His name is Seymour Cray. S-E-Y-M-O-U-R space C-R-A-Y. Seymour Cray is was born in 1925 and passed away in 1996. There's a wonderful Wikipedia article on him you can use as a jumping off point, and he is the father of the supercomputer. That's right, big iron, fast processes, um, all that stuff that they don't really do anymore because there's so little demand for it and the market has been changed so much. People who want supercomputers now, even even the company that is his legacy, uh, really supports clusters at this point. But this is a guy who, who squeezed every bit of speed out of a computer he could. You know, and it was, it was mad, it was a maniacal madness in the days. Um, you know, when, when the mainframe died, the mainframe had about as much power as a Pentium. And now we're up to Pentium 4s and beyond, and some of us are going on to 64-bit processing. Um, back in the day, before the personal computer was a business reality, they needed faster and faster, and Seymour Cray built computers with his company that were so fast that IBM had to say, we can't compete on the basis of speed. IBM owned a Cray um, they used for benchmarks, but IBM's strength you know, it's, it was kind of like, you know, the Microsoft has become the IBM of today. Uh, they really, you know, were a, a, a sales and support organization more so um, than, you know, a high-speed computer company. So, you know, one of the Cray computers, one of his innovations was when you use supercomputing and you compute that fast, you generate a lot of heat. And one of his big innovations was the use of fluorant um, for cooling. And fluorant was a, a uh, liquid developed by 3M for medical uses, and it was a non-conductive liquid used that was meant to have medical applications for filling in gaps when they did organ transplants, I believe. But what he did was he submerged the insides of the computer, was actually a, a watertight tank and filled with fluorant and used a circulation of fluorant to pull the heat out of the computer when it ran fast. And the faster the computer ran, the more the fluorant bubbles. And that's how come many of the crays were nicknamed by their computer operators as bubbles. <laughs> um, an excellent book, and I read it and got a lot of my background information about Seymour Cray and, and the big computers was called Superman, the story of Seymour Cray and the technical wizards behind the supercomputer. Uh, author, Charles J. Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, pub year, 1997. Uh, a, a excellent and fast read for those of you who are looking for book reviews. And that concludes this episode of Hacker Public Radio. Thank you for listening. This is the Deep Geek, signing off.
Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.